how many of you saw this week, I think it happened on Thursday, the, the newscast, or maybe you've seen it even on YouTube because it's on YouTube now, where there was a, a, a 16-year-old uh, young man in Texas who was driving a pickup truck and he drove right into a tornado. Did you ever see that? Anybody saw that? And the tornado spun his car around and all and then this way. And remarkably, he only suffered a few cuts and bruises. But the thing that struck me was afterwards, he was saying when they were interviewing, he said, I didn't see it coming. And I thought to myself, how do you not see a tornado coming? I mean, all, with all the dark clouds and the wind swirling, I mean, how do you not see that? And the more I just couldn't get away from that, I kept watching it over on YouTube, and I'm like, man, that's incredible. And then something began to, to, to stir in my heart. I began to think about the storms of life. Every one of us encounters storms. So then I got to thinking, are there storms that we should see coming? In other words, are there storms that you and I should be able to avoid? And if not, why not? Let me take you to a familiar passage of scripture that I pray the Holy Spirit uh, opens all of our eyes today to see in a fresh way. It's in the book of Acts. But first, let me, let me re read this one verse so that we can just get uh, on the same page regarding where we're going with this. So Acts chapter 23, just one verse for right now, and that's verse 11. That night, the Lord appeared to Paul and said, be encouraged, Paul, just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. Now, why I, I, I shared that. The apostle Paul had been arrested for preaching the gospel. And he was now on trial for that. The Jewish leaders had brought Paul to before the, uh, the Roman governors and they're trying to get Paul executed, claiming that he has violated the Jewish laws to the measure that it warrants death. The governor is unsure. He doesn't see where there's anything there. But because God told Paul during the night, you have to testify before me in Rome. So Paul, when he stands before the governor, the governor said, hey, Paul, do you want to travel back to Jerusalem to continue this trial? And Paul said, no one has a right to take me back there for something that I'm, I haven't, a crime I haven't committed. I appeal to Caesar, who's in Rome. And so the governor said, you appeal to Caesar, to Caesar you will go. So now we look at our main portion of our text and that's in chapter 27. We'll begin in verse one. When the time came, 
we set sail for Italy. Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of a Roman officer named Julius, a captain of the Imperial Regiment. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was also with us. We left on a ship whose home port was Adramythium. There you go, got that one. On the northwest coast of the province of Asia. It was scheduled to make several stops at ports along the coast of the province. The next day, when we docked in Sidon, Julius was very kind to Paul and let him go ashore to visit with friends so they could provide for his needs. Now, putting out to sea from there, we encountered strong headwinds that made it difficult to keep the ship on course. And so we sailed north of Cyprus between the island and the mainland. Keeping to the open sea, we passed along the coast of Sicilia and Pamphylia, landing at Myra in the province of Lycia. There the commanding officer found an Egyptian ship from Alexandria that was bound for Italy, and he put us on board. We had several days of slow sailing, and after great difficulty, we finally neared Snidus. But the wind was against us. And so we sailed across to Crete along the sheltered coast of the island, past the Cape of Salmone. We struggled along the coast with great difficulty. And finally, arrived at Fair Havens near the town of Lycia. Let me pause there. So Paul begins his journey to Rome. And the reason why I read to you the other scripture where God told him he had to testify uh, to, before Caesar in Rome is because I wanted you to see and understand that going to Rome was part of God's will for Paul's life. So on this journey, he is in the center of God's will. Are you following me so far, right? God said, Paul, you got to head to Rome for me. So now he's headed to Rome, which means he is in the very center of God's will for his life. And though he is headed to Rome doing what God wants him to do, during his journey, I want you to notice he encountered these strong contrary winds which made progress slow and very difficult. And there's things that I want to teach you this morning that I want to highlight about storms. The title of this message is About Storms. Come on, say that with me. About Storms. And the first point I want to make about storm is being in God's will doesn't exempt you from experiencing storms. You see, there's this false understanding this false teaching that can really permeate, that permeates often through Christianity, that if you love Jesus and that if you are doing what God wants you to do, if you are living your life the way God wants you to live your life, you will never encounter storms. You will live a blessed 
life. And by blessed, they mean, man, you won't have any financial crisis. You won't have any health issues. You won't have relationship problems at home or on the job or in church. Uh, see, that, this is what storms are. Storms are all of these things that can happen in our life. A financial problem, uh, a crisis, a health issue that can come into our lives, a relationship problem at home or at the job, all kinds of stuff that can happen and that comes up. And brothers and sisters, I want you to know, I want to remind some of you who already do know that you can be in the very center of God's will, but there are storms that you will never be able to avoid. Everybody encounters storms. I call these, by the way, mini storms. Because these are designed, they are created to slow our spiritual progress. They don't stop us, they just make going forward difficult. They make you and I growing in our spiritual life challenging. They make staying on course challenging. Man, how come every time I want to serve God and I begin to do the right thing, it seems all hell breaks loose. Have you ever said that? Like, God, the more I, I serve you, the more problems I seem to have in my life. They're designed to see if you and I will stay the course. It might slow us down, but we're still going to move forward in the name of Jesus Christ. Let me continue on now. Acts chapter, again, 27. Now I'm going to pick it up in verse 9. We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so, it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck. Loss of cargo and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. Since Fair Havens, the place where they were currently at, was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix, farther up the coast of Crete, and spend the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and northwest exposure. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it, so they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly and the wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind so they gave up and let it run before the gale. All right, so now we'll pause there. So they're in Fair Havens. It's not a place that you want to stay during the winter. It was exposed to the elements. So Paul comes and says, guys, I'm sensing 
that we are going to encounter some serious trouble ahead where we will encounter a storm that will cause us to lose our cargo that create a lot of damage and possibly even lose our lives. In other words, Paul was saying, I know you may think that this is not the right place, but it is. And I advise you to stay put. But now the captain of the ship, he didn't want to stay there. He's like, this dude is crazy. This is my ship. This is not a place I want to be uh, for the winter time. And my ship might get damaged from the uh, weather and all that. So he comes to the Roman officer in charge and saying, and he advises him, we need to get out of here. We can't stay here. So now, the Roman captain, he has two different people giving him two different counsels or advice. One to stay, one to leave. The captain decided, I'm going with, excuse me, the officer decided, I'm going with the captain. I mean, he's the experienced sailor uh, and all that kind of stuff, and I don't want to stay here any more than he does, so we're going to listen to him. So he listened to the captain's advice. And then... Now they got this south wind, the Bible says, that began to blow gently. And they realized that's the wind that we need. See, it's good that we, we get going. So they hoist the sails and off they go. And it didn't get very far before all of a sudden what appeared favorable turned. And all of a sudden now, all hell breaks loose with this typhoon wind. So strong that they couldn't fight it. They just had to let the ship be carried out further into the sea. And so they soon found themselves in the mother of all storms, a major storm. And we don't have time to read the entire chapter, but this storm raged for 14 days. 14 days, they never saw the sun. 14 days, they never saw the moon. 14 days of hurricane force winds blowing and rain pelting down on them. 14 days to the measure that they at one point decided, well, we got to try to save ourselves now. So they began throwing the cargo overboard to try to lighten up the ship. But that did little in helping out. 14 days to the point where they now have not even eaten anything because they are terrified and they've been working diligently trying to stay afloat in this storm. Here's my second point about storms. Listen, listening to the wrong advice or counsel can cause you to experience a major storm. You see, he had a choice, that Roman officer. Listen to Paul or listen to the captain. Listening to the wrong advice or counsel can get you into a world of trouble. Let me give you a biblical story. In uh, 1 Kings chapter 12, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, 
came and became king of Israel when Solomon died. When he became king, a man named Jeroboam came as a representative of the people of Israel to the king and said, King, you know what? When your father was alive, uh, you know, he, uh, the labor was harsh labor and the taxes were high. Sounds like today, isn't it? <laughs> so he tell the king, if you were lighten up the labor and ease up on the taxes, we'll serve you. So Rehoboam says, give me three days and I'll give you an answer. So come back in three days. So while they're, they're, they leave, Rehoboam now asks the advisors that helped his father. Now remember, for those of you new to your Bible, uh, uh, Solomon was gifted by God with incredible wisdom. He was the most gifted man regarding wisdom that ever lived on the face of the earth except for Jesus. And so he had phenomenal wisdom. People came from all over the world just to hear Solomon's wisdom. These advisors, these men were with Solomon for all of those years and learned his wisdom and gleaned from him and learned how to support King Solomon. And these are the men that are now advisors to Rehoboam. So they told him, if you will ease up the labor and reduce the taxes, these people will serve you the rest of your life. So listen to what the Bible says Rehoboam did. 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 8. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men and instead asked the opinion of the young men who had grown up with him and were now his advisors. As he became king, he brought along with him his boys. And now they are also his advisors. And they told him, what they, these guys are advising you, these old guys, they, they didn't advise you the right way. Here's what you should do. You should tell uh, Jeroboam that my father was, was harsh on his uh, uh, labor and on the taxes, but my pinky is thicker than my father's waist. In other words, I'm badder than my father was, and so I am going to increase and not decrease. And so when Jeroboam shows up, that's what Rehoboam says. And then Jeroboam said, oh yeah? Well, we reject you as the king. And the announcement went, everybody, back to your own place. Forget about King Rehoboam. And that day, 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel stopped serving King Rehoboam. He became king, instead of the whole nation of Israel, he became king of the kingdom of Judah, which is only two tribes of Israel. See, listening to the wrong advice or counsel can cause a major storm in your life. Rehoboam suffered the rest of his life because he listened to the wrong advice. Can I tell you something as a pastor? I sadly, I've seen this happen over and over and over again. Where marriages 
go into a storm and they experience a storm that they could easily avoid because they followed the wrong advice. Let me give you a for instance. I once dealt with a couple. They were a wonderful couple, loving couple. They loved Jesus. And then one day, they came to my, all hell had broken loose. And I said, what in the world is going on, guys? Well, you know, we saw Dr. Phil. This is a true story. And Dr. Phil said there should be no secrets in the marriage. So we began sitting down and saying, well, there should be no secrets, so let's talk about everything about our, our past life. And all of a sudden, things that should stay buried from the past that are under the blood of Jesus and forgiven were resurrected. And the husband said, you did what? <laughs> you lived how? I married that? And all of a sudden, he began to think, I married down and not up. And all of a sudden, once he heard that, he ain't saying nothing about his past. <laughs> but what she said was already too late. And I could not help them in their marriage. And their marriage was destroyed. And I said, what possessed you to do that? Well, we saw Dr. Phil. Does Dr. Phil follow the Bible? That's the philosophy of this world. I can't tell you how many times people get into trouble in their marriage because they follow the wrong advice. They follow the wrong counsel. Oh, yeah. Let me, a warning to some of you parents. I want your children to be married by day. I've seen issues in marriages because, well, my mother said we should always have separate accounts. His money should be his money and my money should be my money because just in case he leaves, I have my own money. That's what mama said. And when I hear that, I said, your mama was totally wrong. In fact, the counsel your mama gave is from the devil. Because a marriage that starts out divided has no hope of staying unified. You can't go into a marriage divided. You have to recognize there's no such thing as his and, and mine or hers and mine. It has to be ours, you see, for there to be unity. Oh yeah, there's a lot of counsel out there. There's a lot of advice. Like the south wind, it seems right at the time, but soon it turns into the nor'easter. That's what happens with counsel that comes from an unbiblical perspective. Listen to me, just because something seems right or sounds right doesn't mean that it is right. And whether it's in your marriage, whether it has to do with uh, uh, other issues, in fact, let me talk to you about it. I, how many times, I, I've, been, I've been serving the Lord now close to 40 years, and in that time, both in New York and here, 
I see people come and they buy a home and the home they buy is winds up being an hour and a half, two hours away from the church. And but then they come to me afterwards. They don't come to, for counsel before they buy. They come for, well, Pastor, could you pray? We, we bought this house. Okay, what do you want me to pray? Where did you buy the house? Well, we, you know, it's so-and-so. So-and-so, that's about an hour and a half, two hours away. Yeah, but, you know, Belmont is still my church home. No, it's not. That's ridiculous. The pattern has never failed to repeat itself. If you go out and you buy something because of where it's located and because the price is right, but you don't consider where God wants you to be, then ultimately what winds up happening, the journey becomes unbearable. I've seen the same pattern repeated. The first thing that happens is you drop out of serving God. Well, I can't serve in the ministry anymore because, you know, it takes me too long to get here. But Belmont is still my church home. Okay. Then the second thing is, we don't see you so every Sunday anymore. And then lastly, I get the phone call. Pastor, I found a church out here. And so you wind up leaving the church that you confess God brought you to, not because God has taken you out, because you took yourself out. Because you went by this understanding that when you are buying a home, you got to look for the best neighborhood and you got to look for the best school district and all these other things. And I've often told people that came to see me, how about answering the number one question first? Where does God want you? Because if you serve God and, and if God wants you to buy a home, and I'm not against buying a home, don't you think God already has it picked out? If he picked out your husband, and he did a decent job with that, and he picked out your wife, and he did a phenomenal job with that, come on somebody, I know how to work it. I know how to work it. I ain't stupid. I know how to work it. And God blessed you with that great job. Why cannot God lead you to where a home that you will be blessed in, you see? So, my counsel to you this morning, if you're going through issues, or or if you see something that's on television and and the latest thing, oh, let's do that, come and talk before you make a major decision like that. There are storms that you and I can avoid if we surround ourselves with godly counsel. And by godly, I mean, do they follow this? Don't tell me, well, you know, they love Jesus. Okay. They may love Jesus, but that doesn't mean the counsel they're giving you is godly counsel. It's got to line up with the book. And remember this. God put in the church, the book of Ephesians teaches us that, that God put pastors and teachers and elders and deacons in the church to prepare God's people. We are here not to control people's lives, but we're here to help you navigate your life to make sure that you are staying in the very center of God's will. And it amazes me when people are like, well, I don't, I don't want the pastor knowing my business. Okay. Listen, you're not going to make my life any more difficult. 
There's one less person that fills my heart at nighttime that doesn't overwhelm me because I can tell you the truth. As a pastor, there are times where you get you lose sleep because of all the families that you are dealing with and you know their story and you're praying and your heart is burdened for them. So one less will make my life a little bit easier. That doesn't mean I don't want that. I, I prefer to help. I prefer to give counsel. That's what God's called me to do. Nothing gives me greater joy than to point people in the right direction and then see them walk in that direction. Which, by the way, is another note. Sometimes we don't surround ourselves with godly counsel because we know what they're already going to say and we don't want to hear it. Oh, come on, somebody now. Yeah. You see, I'd rather go to Nilsa because she always tells me what I want to hear, not what I need to hear. Some of us have those people around us that they, they know what we want to hear, so they tell us what we want to hear, and we call them friends. The Bible says, faithful are the wounds inflicted by a friend. You know, sometimes your friend has to hurt you and tell you, what are you, crazy? That's the craziest thing I ever heard you trying to do that. You need to come to your senses. But sometimes we don't come for counseling because we don't want to hear what we already know we're going to hear. You see. Having godly advisors and counselors will help us avoid a major storm. Are you with me so far? Okay. Let me move on because I'm, uh, I'm closing up now. Uh, Acts chapter 27 now. Let's pick up at verse 30. Then the soldiers tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors for the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay on board. Stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. And just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone, you have been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks. Can you imagine how frightening that must have been, that storm? I don't know about you, but there could be a hurricane outside. I'm going to have my rice and beans. (laughs) It might be my last day on the earth. I'm going with a full stomach. So, so he said, please, verse 34, please eat something uh, now for your own good, for uh, not a hair of your heads will perish. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat. All 276 of us who were on board. After eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. When morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get to the shore by running the ship aground. So they cut off the anchors and left them in the sea. Then they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed toward the shore. But they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. And the bow of the ship stuck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. But the commanding officer 
wanted to spare Paul. So he didn't let them carry out their plan. And then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. The others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship. So everyone, come on, say everyone. Everyone escaped safely to shore. Now, notice the one thing we didn't read before all this, God had told Paul that because he was going to testify to, 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 uh, uh, to before Caesar in Rome, that God would get him to Rome, but that God had also graciously granted Paul the life of everyone on board. So no one was going to die. So Paul sees these guys trying to escape, and now he advises the officer, if you let those sailors go, get away, everybody dies. This time, the officer listened to Paul's advice and he cut the ropes of the lifeboat and let the lifeboat go so they couldn't escape. Then Paul advises everybody, guys, you haven't eaten for 14 days. You're going to need your strength. So I'm advising everybody to eat. And he began to eat and they all got encouraged and they all ate. They also all listened to Paul this time. And as we read, the ship got caught on a sandbar began to be torn apart, but they all jumped in the water and they all got to the shore and not one of the 276 men on board died. They all lived. It's my last point about the storms. Following godly advice or counsel will get you through the storm. Amen. Will get you through the storm. You may have to suffer loss. You may have to swim a little bit. But if you find the grace to follow that counsel, God will get you through the storm. I want to encourage you today because even when we make bad decisions and we encounter a storm, Think about the incredible greatness and graciousness of God. That God still came to Paul and saying, everybody's going to live. They didn't listen, but that's okay. I'm still going to grant them all their life. It's one of the reasons why I love to praise God so much. Because I love to honor him with worship and praise. Because even at my worst moment, even when I'm such a thick knucklehead and I won't listen and I, then, then I encounter all hell breaking loose and it's my fault, he's still a gracious God. Amen. And if I listen, he'll get me through. Amen. God is not the one that's that staying there, well, you got yourself into this, get yourself out. He's still so rich in mercy that if we will listen to him, even in the middle of a storm that is our fault, he'll get us through. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Stand with me just for a moment, would you? We're going to close in a word of prayer in a moment, and then we're going to go right into the baptism. So those of you who are going to be baptized, you can go ahead on out now and get ready for that. Let me just recap about the storms. That being in God's will doesn't exempt you 
from experiencing storms. But listening to the wrong advice or counsel can cause you to experience a major storm. And then lastly, following godly advice or counsel will get you through the storm. Could you bow your heads right now, close your eyes, and just focus on the sound of my voice. The Lord has put this word in my heart for all of us, maybe for some, just to prepare us, because maybe a, a storm is coming. Some, a storm that you, you, you didn't expect. Like that young man, you're gonna, you're gonna find yourself driving right into it and wondering, where, how did this happen? Where did this come from? I thought I'm serving God. Why, why did this happen? Well, because some storms God allows to happen to determine will we stay on course. It may slow us down, but will we remain faithful? I'm going to pray now for that grace. If you're in this room and say, Pastor, I'm in a storm. I know I didn't create it, but I find myself nonetheless in that storm. And I just want the grace of God to strengthen me so that I can remain faithful even in the storm. If that's you, I want you to just, just lift up your hands right now. Just let the Lord see it. It's not for me to see it. This is for God to see. If you're here or if you're watching online and you're in that place where there's a storm raging in your life and you know, I know this is because I didn't listen or I've listened to the wrong advice and that's why I find myself in this place, Pastor. But you have made a decision. As of this moment, you're ready to listen to whatever counsel the Lord will give you. Whatever direction God will give you, you're ready to listen. Because if you do, you know God will get you through that storm. If that's you, you can lift up your hand as well. Father, I come before you now and you see every one of our hands in this house, oh God. And with those that might be at home, oh God, we may not see it here, but you see it, God. You know exactly where we're at in life. You know what our struggles are. You know what the storm is all about that we find ourselves in today, God. And I pray first for those that find themselves in a storm, that, uh, that a storm that they didn't create. They're in the center of your will, doing what you want them to do, living the life you want them to live, and yet they find themselves in a storm. And it's designed by our adversary to, to create great difficulty in our lives, to slow our spiritual progress. And so I pray today for the strength, for the grace that we all need, God, to stay the course to not give up on this journey, to not give up on doing what you called us to do simply because life is getting difficult for us. Let your grace abound in their lives so that they may stay strong and steady in you. For those of us that find ourselves in that place, oh God, where we have listened to the wrong counsel and we find ourselves in the middle of a storm that we realize we created, then I pray for us, God, that as we humble ourselves and, re and repent of that and, and, and declare we are ready to listen to you, Lord. We're ready to follow godly counsel. Show us, oh God, what we're to do. Show us, oh God, how we're to navigate uh, through this storm because we know if we look to you and, and humble ourselves. You are gracious and faithful to get us through the storm. So help everyone in that way, I pray. And lastly, Father, I pray for all of us that we will surround ourselves with godly advisors, 
men and women that know the word of God and desire to communicate that word to us, whether we want to hear it or not, who love us enough to give us the truth, Lord. That's the amount of the people we want to listen to. That's the people we want to give our ear to. So God, help us in that way, I pray, as well, in the precious name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together and applaud the Lord for his word.